This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who has so many wild emotions for tonight's characters. Hmm, mm mm-hmm, indeed. And I'm Verrata, the girl who cannot agree more. I don't even know how to feel about one of these characters in particular. But like the whole thing, I, I was discovering how little I knew about these characters. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know if I like them that much anymore. Yep. It's going to be weird. And if you're new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters using specific in-game dialogue. So... If you want to stay spoiler-free, then this isn't the podcast for you. So, here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, boy Sam. (laughs) And just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume that you have some background knowledge of the game and character in question. But we will be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar. Today is our last character episode before we talk about the big romances in the Citadel DLC. Yay! Some romances, as you know, just got more content than others, which is why these last few episodes, including today's, are about multiple characters. We are also including their Citadel scenes in this episode. So today, we are discussing specialist Samantha Trainer, Diana Allers, and Yeoman Kelly Chambers in Mass Effect 3. And we're going to start with Samantha. Dreams again? Yeah. Well, I'll be damned. What? Nothing. Just never thought I'd see a woman under all that armor. You remember how scared I was when I met you? I was terrified. Of the Reapers. The war. Everything. You helped me. I wouldn't mind returning the favor. I do like those lines. Those are good ones. Now, Specialist Samantha Trainer is the communications specialist aboard the Normandy, essentially the Alliance edition of Kelly. (laughs) She is the only exclusively lesbian love interest for Shepard in the entire trilogy, and she is out and proud. You may have noticed that she has a British accent, despite growing up on Horizon. Apparently, attending Oxford will give you a prestigious degree and a strong British-received pronunciation accent. Sam will serve pretty much the same function Kelly did back in Mass Effect 2, but she makes it clear that she will not be feeding any fish. Which is fine, because if Kelly survived, she took your fish off the Normandy. (laughs) So, no fish to feed anyway. She actually wasn't even supposed to be part of the permanent crew, as she started out as a member of the retrofit crew for the Normandy when they were changing it into an alliance vessel from a Cerberus one. But Edie liked her enough that when it came time to set sail and kick some Reaper ass, 
she requested that Samantha become a part of the regular crew. And that's also when Samantha learned that Edie was a fully-fledged AI, not just some little VI. This comes into play later during some conversations we can hear with Samantha about what she said about Edie's voice when she thought she was not sentient. It's kind of a whoopsie moment for her. When I was working on the Normandy's upgrades, I left at the end of the day. I didn't even have a toothbrush or a change of clothing until I made some emergency purchases on the Citadel. Next time you need something, just ask. You're not alone here. Oh, it, it, it's no trouble, Commander. I'm sure you have larger concerns. We can put in a requisition order. My toothbrush is a Scission Promark 4. It uses tiny mass effect fields to break up plaque and massage the gums. It costs 6,000 credits. Okay, yeah. You're on your own with that. That is a ridiculously expensive toothbrush. But it comes in quite handy soon enough. The Romance with Trainer is one of the shortest as far as length of content in the whole trilogy. You only get her for this final game. She's not a party member, and she only has a few flirty conversation, and two romance scenes in the main game. Obviously, we get a bit more with Citadel, but it's still very short. You do get the Paramore achievement, though. And that makes it a full-fledged romance. So eventually, Samantha will send you an email titled Game Night. And this is what will become the romance scene. Yeah, most of the dialogue with Sam has to do with her talking about how nice it was to work in a lab, what messages you've got in the CIC waiting for you, and other admin stuff. She is what can be colloquially described as a lipstick lesbian, meaning she's very girly and doesn't display the stereotypical appearance of a lesbian. I mean, what, being masked, butch, lesbian is like the only way to be a lesbian? No, <laughs> it's not. She is also fan service, as she will jump in Anderson's hot tub in her sexy space bra, whether or not you've romanced her. But on to game night. If you've been flirting with her as a bro ship, She'll turn you down after the chess match in the captain's quarters. She will flat out say that he isn't her type. And now she gets to tell everyone that not only did she beat him at chess, but she also broke his heart. But if you've been flirting with her as Femshep, here's what happens. Your cabin is gorgeous. I've seen apartments smaller than this. Oh, an actual shower. The faucets in the women's bathroom are crap, by the way. In any event, I thought you might be in the mood to play. Chess? I bought a board on the Citadel. Gooey interface, not nearly as much fun as real pieces. But I hoped you might give me some pointers. That's funny. I figured you'd be more interested in a shower. I didn't realize that was an option. It's an option. Well, just give me a moment to grab my things. Ah, hot water and room to stretch. I could get lost in here. Oh, it's like a week's worth of stress is washing off. And the timing's perfect. I was hoping to look nice for somebody. Hot date lined up? Hopefully more than just that. I play for keeps. Sounds serious. That depends on whether she's interested. 
she's interested. I can't tell you how much I needed that. Are you using me for my shower? I certainly hope so. Well, in that case, it's yours whenever you like. I really wanted to like this scene, but it feels so off. Okay, let me start from the beginning. When Trainer gets in the shower, it's actually pretty cute. Shepard is sitting on their table, like watching the shower through the statue collectible wall, and then the bathroom door is just wide open. So you actually get a really cute butt shot of Samantha in the shower. And I'm like, okay, I can get into this. I didn't like the fact that Shepard is sitting the exact same way as she sits or he sits with Kelly. They've got their hands clasped in the I'm not allowed to touch the stripper. I'm not allowed to touch the stripper. I'm going to keep my hands clasped together in front of me. And it just feels weird. Now, then Shepard gets up and walks in and joins in on the shower. Joining in with your clothes on sounds sexy, but it's really not. It's really, really not. Taking off wet clothes is awkward and difficult, and there's nothing sexy about it. And then depending on what your shepherd is wearing, in the video that I watched, she was wearing the little black pleather dress. How in the fuck are you going to get leather off when it's wet? That's impossible. Anyways, there is a lot of kissing and a lot of hands wandering. So I did like that aspect of it. I don't understand why they still had to both be wearing their clothing, though. People talk about the leg raise and how it looks masculine. Shepard pushes Trainer up against the wall, grabs her leg, and wraps it around her own waist. It looks masculine. Like, that is a penis-haver's move to prop up the one receiving's leg. But, um, how else is Shep gonna get there to do things? In order for anything to get there, you have to have access. So the leg prop doesn't bother me at all. It looks real enough to me. And this is also the first time that they have had sex. It's all about fumbling and testing what is going to work and what isn't. So, the leg prop is necessary. The only thing unrealistic about this scene to me is that sex in the shower sucks. Water is not a lubricant and it can cause you to dry out faster. Then the water gets cold and the ground is slippery to where you can't get good purchase. And you can't give oral. Trying to do anything where now you have water splashing onto your face and you are otherwise occupied, well, you're going to drown yourself in not a good way. So. Oh, man. I agree with everything you said. When I first saw this scene, I 
I, I guess for me, because I am a hopeless romantic and I know not everything is going to be like flowery tent virginity sex with Alistair. I, I understand that. But like, it's just felt very aggressive and too fast with Trainer, if that makes sense. Like both. And, and that's fine if that's what their relationship is going to be. But like, I wouldn't call it a romance, I guess. It seems like they're just kind of friends with Benny's at this point and it just happens so early on in the romance because there isn't that much content it's like they just tossed the the sex scene to lock your romance in so fast and my also second thought I guess it happened simultaneously with this thought was actual lesbians did not work on this scene at least it does not appear so for all the reasons that you've already covered it just does not look like a believable like sex scene between two lesbians and i really have issue with the fact that they're not naked like they could have done it tastefully they could have had different camera angles to Mm -hmm. not like completely show everything to not be a porn game right they had to stick within the confines of m for mature i get that but liara was naked like clearly naked you didn't see anything but you could tell that she was naked from different angles and things i don't understand why they didn't just do it that way it would have felt a lot more realistic because they were in the shower. Right. I don't know. So I don't, I don't like this scene really. I don't know. To me, the beginning parts of sex was believable to me. It looks like this could have been, I don't know if it was written by lesbians. I doubt that, but like, I'm sorry, but in order to get access to the vagina, you need to have your legs open how else are you going to do that other yeah. than the leg prop? That's true. I guess I imagine like there's a shelf somewhere she's putting her leg up on. Like to see Shepard grab her leg and bring it up onto her hip just seemed so cishet sexual. Like like as if Shepard was wearing a strap on or Shepard was bro Shep with a, you know, like I just didn't see that working. But I've never had lesbian shower sex. So disclaimer. That could possibly work. I'm sure someone's done it. But like just me as a casual noob viewing it, I was like, this doesn't really feel like they it was it it reminded me of the um oh gosh, was it the yeah, the Liara sex scene, like how they didn't change oh, the animation mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. So that's kind of how it was like they just defaulted to how they knew how to animate Broship with romance scenes and didn't really go further to make it a little bit more Believable? I get, I get that, and it is a masculine. It is a masculine looking move to do the leg prop, but it's also a necessary one. I don't know. I don't know really yeah. how to explain it, but to me, no, I see it. It looked like real sex. I guess for me, because it felt masculine to me, it also added to the fact that both of them feel very masculine in their energy with each other because they're so. Like there hasn't been much, there's just been a little bit flirting and now they're like diving right into just sex. It seems like there doesn't seem to be affection going on in here. So for me, like that also felt masculine, if that makes sense, which, you know, you can be masculine and stuff. I just felt like it happened too soon and I want a little bit more romance. I don't know. Yeah, I get it. Now, trainer is far from just your average bridge bunny though. Say what you will about Kelly, at the end of the day, she was your secretary who was also spying on you for the elusive man. Trainer is wildly more helpful because she is the reason 
that we saved the kids at Grissom Academy, so thank you for saving my Jack. And also because she's the reason that we get to track down Kylang. So, yay! Stabbing that asshole was possible because she tracked him to the Cerberus secret base. She is also the reason that Shepard and friends were able to retake the Normandy after the evil clone stole it during the Citadel DLC. And I don't even... Wait, what? You... How can you even look me in the eye after all the we... I thought we... And then you fire me for fraternization! You kicked me off the ship with barely enough time to grab my toothbrush. Hmm? Wasn't me, evil clone. But... but... Hey, far be it for me to interrupt, but, uh... I can explain more later. For now... That's sealed. The engines are online. They're about to take off. Is there anyone still aboard who can help us? No. I was only there because I helped with the Normandy retrofits back on Earth. Everyone else is on shore leave. Okay, you know the ship inside and out. Can you get me inside? There's an emergency exit hatch for evacuations. It should be right here. Manual lock, and it's only meant to be open from the other side. Any ideas? From this side, a very precise mass effect field, maybe. If you told me this morning that a toothbrush was gonna save the Normandy, I'd have been very skeptical. Pretty sure we broke Trainer's toothbrush getting the hatch open. Remind me to reimburse her for that. I'll make a note of it. <laughs> okay, I love the Vega line of like, I don't want to break this up, but I need your help. <laughs> and then, ugh, we had to throw Garrus in there somewhere, didn't we? We had to. Always. Like, if I could find a reason to throw his voice in here, I will. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, this whole scene is just good comedy calling back to an earlier joke yes we love it we love that it's able it's just so campy it's so good and i love the way um oh gosh i can't remember her name right now it's alex something something the voice actress for a trainer i love the way she delivered the lines at the very beginning she sounds legit betrayed and pissed and i love that for her mm -hmm. also real talk everyone should be fired for fraternization so that was also kind of funny to me, especially like, especially Trainer and Shepard, though, that that is like the most clear cut definition of fraternization in this entire trilogy. So, yes, that would have happened. Well, maybe not her getting fired. Well, actually, no, she probably would have gotten fired and Shepard probably would have been fine because that's how the military works. Is uh, no, none of the officers get punished. It's always the enlisted and she's a specialist, which I have no idea what that equates to in the Alliance military. But if you're in the army, that's an E4 which is oh. lower enlisted. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this part's hard for me because I do like Trainer as a character. I think she's a really good character. But there is something that we need to talk about with Trainer, though, that we don't like. And it's only given to us in the Citadel DLC. If that had never happened, we wouldn't have had this scene, which would have made our lives less rich. 
But then we also wouldn't have had the stuff about what she apparently has said about Edie's voice, which is another example for me of like, I feel like they leaned really hard in the aggressive lesbian stereotype for Trainer because she straight up is just sexually harassing Edie with what she says, like completely inappropriate. When I first heard this conversation when I was playing Citadel, I was like, not only thinking about what Edie, I mean, she's an AI. I don't know if she has feelings, but like she shouldn't have to hear that when she's at her job. But the people around Trainer that she was actually saying it to because she didn't think Edie was a person who could understand her, those people had to hear this shit too at work. And like with your group, you can you can get unprofessional stuff, but like the sheer amount of examples of times that Trainer said very explicit things about Edie's voice, so specific that it's not even funny to me. It grossed me out. I didn't like it at all. I don't know why they added that. I don't know if they thought they were being funny, but I didn't like it. Yeah. Roll tape. <laughs> all right. Roll tape. What's wrong, you two? I am asking Specialist Trainer about why she found my voice sexually attractive. Oh, really? Oh, shut up. I hadn't even met you yet. On one occasion, you said that you wanted to, quote, pin my voice against the wall and run your tongue along its collarbone. Well, there's a context there that you were talking about quantum entanglement and I didn't know you were an AI. Anyway, I was just joking. You know, stress of the retrofits and... Really? My diagnostic suggested that you were genuinely aroused. You have diagnostics. Cerberus programmed you to check body language. I get more reliable results measuring pupil dilation and thermal readings of erogenous zones. Oh, good lord. Fair's fair, trainer. Edie has a right to ask about what you said. Oh, we are going to talk later. I was very interested in trainer's ability to develop sexual feelings for what was, at the time, a bodiless voice. You are all terrible. Edie, I apologize for saying that I wanted to roll naked with your voice in satin sheets. Oh, I was not offended. In fact, it was flattering. Even the part where I wanted to grab your voice by the hair and nibble my way down its back. Let's remember that one for later, actually. I do not, in fact, remember you saying that, Samantha. That wasn't out loud. Never mind. Okay. So I think that it's funny to a point, and obviously Shepard does too, but I think that they have hypersexualized trainer, and it is so obvious in this. Like they've definitely made her the horny bitch. And I mean that can be okay as long as it, it's it's so conflicting for me because i obviously i obviously am that horny bitch like i can sexualize any situation but i also have like a whole nother side to me like there's also the cool calm collected mother there is the woman who is driven in her career there is you know, there are layers to my life and my hypersexuality is just one portion of it who I only share with a select few people and then a podcast that's free for anybody to listen to. But that's besides the point. 
you know, it's to me, I needed to see more of trainers development in other areas, not just her ability to be an amazing logistician, but I need something else in a not work environment. That is her character. That's not sex. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it makes sense. Like for me, what it always came off to me as it is, it seemed like, I don't know exactly how much research they did into like characterization for a hypersexual lesbian woman, you know, cause that there's I'm sure plenty of them out there. But for me, the way she's portrayed in this game is more of like, what would a hypersexual young man do? And then just make trainer do it. You know, mm. like, I I've I haven't really ever heard a woman speak like that at, at work, but I've heard plenty of men speak like that at work when they shouldn't. So I don't know. It just to me it just came off of like, no, don't don't do what y'all would do. Like I'm sure she has more sense than that. I don't know. Because I'm sure people have talked uh, if she's a woman who exists in any space, people have talked about her that way too. And I don't know. Like I feel like if you've been a victim of something, you're sometimes maybe don't want to do it to someone else then then you also have the victim cycle where you're more likely to do it to someone else so that could explain why trainers doing it i have no idea all i know is i don't like it and it's not the last thing i don't like about her either because i know you have another clip that you're about to play i do have another clip so you actually brought this up about her getting in your hot tub now if you've romanced her shep gets in the hot tub with her and they have like a fun little flirty moment in there and it's cute it's just like only two lines though and so it wasn't all that relevant but if you haven't romance trainer or if you are playing as a bro shop you get this line there was some scented bath oil out there somewhere could you grab it yeah here you go thanks eyes are over here and up here <laughs> hey do you have a loofah a loofah this is Anderson's apartment, remember? I highly doubt he has a... Found one! Somebody left an overnight bag with toiletries and massage oils and, you know, girly stuff. Do you know who Kay Sanders is? She has great taste in adjustable massage ones. Okay. Borrowing somebody's loofah while not hygienic... It, that's beyond the mm -mm, I don't like that using somebody's like shampoo conditioner maybe even massage oils after you get out of the hot tub and you need to rehydrate your skin okay yes maybe adjustable personal massage wands do not use other people's vibrators do not use vibrators you do not have permission to use. What in the actual fuck? No, 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 no. Like, mm, yicky. Like, I... Yeah, like this bitch will roll up to your house and use your toothbrush without asking. I know, like, not trainer in real life because she's got her fancy ass toothbrush. But like this, that's kind of energy. He's like, I don't believe in germs. I'll use your mascara. Have fun with pink eye. Like, no. Stop. We don't do that. We can talk about what vibrators we have. We can even go out and buy a matching set if you want. And I will write in Sharpie, this one's mine. That one's yours. 
But, and then to know. Like, okay, so I'm in my boss's apartment, which is already crossing a line to begin with. But this is the Normandy. They all do weird shit. I get that. I get into my boss's hot tub. That's already a line. Asking for him to bring in the oils from outside and then telling him that you're about to use a vibrator? I'm like, no. no I know. This is the same woman that earlier was like, um, no, you're not my type. I broke your heart. Ha ha. Now it kind of comes off as like a tease. Like she's intentionally teasing Shepard sexually, even though she has made it very clear she is lesbian. She's not interested in him. And it just, it feels really weird. Like, I don't know why she would do that. And I know I, I'm trying not to like hate on Trainer so much because I do really like her character a lot. She provides a lot of valuable information, lots of comedic relief. There's some people in the comments who really didn't ever read her as hypersexual, but it's like, I don't know how you don't. Like, I can't see her as anything but hypersexual from mainly Citadel, honestly. Like, if you took it without Citadel, you wouldn't really have those things like they kind of just went off the rails with her yeah with citadel there's a lot of bad things i mean i think it's next episode or the week after we're gonna be talking about one of the worst quote-unquote romances in citadel but you know this one's weird too because like this is her not romance scene you know this is just her friendship scene yeah weird why is she obsessed with taking baths and showers at her boss's places of residence what is right. wrong with her? Does she not have a shower? I know she said they're shitty, but they're, they can't be that shitty. Go get a hotel. <sighs> okay. Let's move on and away from the apartment and go back to the cabin's quarters. Now, again, I wanted this to be good because she's not a squad mate. You don't get battle banter. You don't get lines out on the field. You don't get her in cutscenes outside of the ship. So, when it comes to the night before, we see the reuse of some of the exact same conversation that happens with Tally and Cortez before the final assault for the Crucible. The whole, will you stay with me before the call comes bit. The fleets are mobilizing. Looks like it'll be a few hours yet. Com channels are full. Not much to do now, but wait. So you thought you'd sneak in one last shower? If there's any hot water left. Or... If you wanted some company. Will you stay here with me? Until the call comes? I think I can manage that. And we get a half of a lean-in for a kiss, and it fades to black there. I have nothing else to say. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Thanks for reusing a scene for a third time, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I didn't do the trainer romance. Perhaps there are people who really enjoyed it. I think it's lacking in a lot of ways. There's ways that I think it could have been done better. Like a lot of people in the comments right now are saying that the scene with Edie making fun of Trainer for what she said about her voice is a scene about Edie self-actualizing as an AI, not about Trainer's gross comments. But I'm kind of like, I think it's both. 
Like mm-hmm. we're looking at trainer right now. So we're looking at trainers, half of the conversation train, like what she said and what that means for her as a character. Of course, it's still true that that is also about Edie's self-actualization, but they could have made that conversation something like romance specific, just to have even more romance specific content. They could have had Edie poking fun at trainer for talking about how hot she found Shepard or something. Or if you're not in a romantic trainer, it could have been like anything else. I don't know why it had to be that specifically, which is why it led me to think the only reason they had her say that was because it was hot to have a hot woman being hypersexual. Like, oh, yes, this hot girl matches my sexual energy because women stereotypically in society were not supposed to be like that, right? Even if we're lesbians or whatever, but... There's just little things, if they had adjusted, would have made it a lot better and more fulfilling, in my opinion. And even if they kept her just as sexual as she is, because there's nothing wrong with being like that, I just think it should have been a little bit more tailored and a little bit more finessed and more content. If you're going to get the Paramore achievement, make it worthwhile. This is just so short. I think we might have to go back and do a little bit more research on this one. I'm seeing some comments about a conversation about a white picket fence. And Oh yeah. I saw that scene. Yeah, it's at that the it's at the very very end where she's just saying goodbye to Shepard and it's really quick. She says she wanted to have kids in a house with a white picket fence with Shepard and it's not at the it's not before the beam run cuz trainer's not down there. But it happens aboard the Normandy. And it's cute. She says she loves her. I guess I should have put it in here. <laughs> Sorry. But um, it just was so short and quick. And Shepard doesn't really say anything back. That I was like, eh, we'll just do this. Because it, it didn't. It also felt to me so out of pocket for Trainer Because it didn't match the tone for the rest of their relationship. Like, to me, it wasn't a payoff. Because the entire relationship was so shallow and then at the very end she's like i actually love you so much and i wish we could have children together where did that come from okay all right yeah i really don't have any other thoughts on her with these romances that we've been talking about this whole season on mass effect 3 it's all been you know like hours of dialogue and a lot of different flirty and romantic and just like relationship building scenes that we can really get into with trainer it felt because she's only in the one game and the conversations are very limited it didn't hit as hard and as much as i wanted it to i wanted this to be a great relationship it is what it is and if you guys love this romance i'm happy for you like, the trainer could be your ideal woman, and that's, we appreciate and stand that. It's rare that we don't like one. Yeah, yeah, it is. I don't know, this one's just not the romance for me. But, let's move on to the middle of the show. We will thank our patrons, listen to some sponsors, and talk fun facts. Mid-break dance. Woo! Yay! Mid-break dance. And it is fun fact time. Samantha Trainer's voice actress, Alex Wilton Reagan, 
is kind of a regular in the more recent Bioware games. If you choose the British female voice in Dragon Age Inquisition for your Inquisitor, you'll know that it's the same voice as Trainer. She also played some side characters in both Origins and Dragon Age 2. And I did not go with her voice actor. I did not go with Trainer for my Inquisitor because it just did not work in a Kunari. Like, my female Kunari can't have that posh accent. It just didn't work. You know, Dragon Age has accents tied to different races and regions as well. So I think the American sounding accent is much more appropriate for a Kunari. Yeah. Um, that being said, I don't think the British voice matches very well with a Dalish Inquisitor either. They're supposed to have Irish accents. Mm. So, oh, well, I still picked that voice for my Dalish elf, my Lavellan. Yeah. Another fun voice fact is that if you romance trainer during the Citadel party, Joker will joke to Shepard about her apparent robosexuality by telling trainer to check if Shepard's back lights up during sex given that Shepard is about 30% cybernetic at this point. This is like a really specific joke for a very targeted audience, but it's likely a reference to the newer Battlestar Galactica Cylons, whose backs glowed red during sex. Edie's voice actress, Trisha Helfer, starred as Cylon number six in that series. Um, she was also the goddess of all creation, aka Lucifer's mummy in the show Lucifer which was a great show if you didn't watch it. Yes. Okay, so I totally watched uh, Battlestar Galactica, and I have loved Trisha Heffler ever since then. But just so you guys know, their backs will glow at any emotional high point, not just sex. So I had to I Yeah, had to I'm glad that you that. added that because I never watched it, and that's what the internet told me. And I was like, that's really weird that that's the only time that happens, but okay. No, it's at any high emotional point. And it's really cool because it's like the spinal cord that lights up and is kind oh, wow. of like, it's a really it. cool animation. It's good. You know, what if what if you're having sex with one and it doesn't glow? <laughs> then like maybe they aren't the Cylon. Oh, but you should totally oh, watch true. Battlestar because Lucy Lawless is also in it. Ooh. And so is Katie Sackhoff. Where is it streaming? Is it streaming? It should I be. I have to find out. I don't know. It's old. But yeah. Ugh. <laughs> tangents um i also watch lucifer so yes good yes approved reviews and ratings and patrons i don't have any new reviews to read out this week but we have been receiving those spotify comments and i love and appreciate every single one of you and we are keeping on ranking up in those spotify rankings uh, let's get us to our 125 goal. Pretty please. With sugar on top. Of course, I also thank the patrons because you all are amazing. Now, Toasty, Apollo, Becky and Bat Knight, Cloudy and Wynn, Mystios and the Cups, Lizzie and Muffiny Cake. I appreciate you all. Big heart, major loves. And an extra hug this week, just because I feel like it. Yes, thank you so much, as usual. We very much appreciate it. And also, patron chats are some of my favorite times. They're the best. All right, Jen. 
in continuing our theme of making the audience angry apparently today, are you ready to talk about the lamest attempt at fan service ever? Oh yeah, let's go. Wars can be won or lost in the editing room, and this war needs to be won. I think that line is kind of funny because, trust me, as somebody who edits this podcast, I feel <laughs> like sometimes I am fighting a goddamn war. <laughs> yeah. And yes, editing, it that's true what she said, it's true. Yeah. Uh, so this is Diana Allers. She is a war correspondent for the Alliance News Network and has a show called Battlespace which is why Shepard meets her in the first place. Her network wants her to be embedded on an Alliance ship, and what better ship to report on the war from than the Normandy? If your Shepard has been known to punch reporters in the past, first of all, stop it. That's not it. And secondly, Diana will remind you that such antics haven't exactly endeared you to the galactic audience, but with her well-edited pieces, she can change their minds. Basically, Diana will become a war asset on the Normandy, and she takes up residence in the starboard cargo bay, where Zaid used to hang out. You can kick her off the ship whenever you want, including after you sleep with her, which is fucked up. Don't do that. Uh, but otherwise, she'll just ask you to do random interviews a few times throughout the game. Now, please do the interviews. You get additional war assets from doing it, so there's no reason not to. Now, if you don't let her onto the Normandy at all, she will embed with the Shasta, an Alliance dreadnought. At some point in the game, you can hear a random news report on the Citadel that announces that the Shasta was destroyed in the Horsehead Nebula, killing everyone on board. What the fuck? Wait, oh, but we took her aboard, and pretty soon we'll take her on board as well. Thanks for your time, Commander. This is Diana Allers for Battlespace. Good night, and stay strong. Be careful, Commander. You keep feeding me like this, and I'll follow you home. Looks like you already have. What happens now? You gave me a good interview, Commander. That's all I need. Tonight. Yuck. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Ugh. Like, ugh. I fucking hate that line so goddamn much. <laughs> I understand that it is feeding her a story, but she basically calls herself a lost little puppy or a dog in this scene. If you keep feeding me like that, I'm going to follow you home. No, that's what you do to a scared animal who you are trying to comfort. Ugh. This is supposed to be like the first time you can flirt with her. And I'm like, this reads so weird. Don't, I like, don't it. like it. <laughs> uh, that's the theme for tonight. Um, so, save a journalist, write a games host. That's what a bunch of people probably thought when they saw that their gamer girl crush, Jessica Chabot, longtime host and personality in the games industry, specifically at IGN, was going to be a romanceable hottie in Mass Effect 3. Jessica has gotten a lot of flack for this role and the very apparent fan service due to the character design of Diana. But I want to talk about this. I was pretty young when the whole licking the PSP thing launched her to fame, but the stereotype of what men thought she represented has been almost ever present in my life. Here, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, 
Jessica Chabot got famous because someone took a picture of her licking a PSP when they came out and it was like sexual somehow. And they were like, oh my God, look how hot she is. And she likes games. Oh, I don't know what to do with myself. Uh, that's, that's a summary. And um, here's a quote from an old IGN article by Chris Carl about her. Only a short while after that viral photo emerged, and it's literally exactly what I just said. Quote, Gentlemen, she exists. A woman who loves to play video games. A woman who has no problem with booth babes. Plays WoW and Silent Hill and Final Fantasy. This woman is the holy grail. Dream girl of all gamers in otaku. End quote. Ugh, I almost threw up. And that's what people expected of pretty much any girl or woman who liked video games. You were invisible if you weren't even half as hot as Jessica. And for women like Jessica, they were reduced down to how hot they were. You couldn't really be a fan of games, and if you were, well, layer on the male approval. I don't blame Jessica for this, I really don't. But she did lean into this. Hard. Her career in the video games industry literally started from that photo of her licking a Sony PSP. It was, I I looked up the photo because I forgot about it. And it was literally like that old meme about gamer girls with that girl biting the GameCube controller cable with the glasses. Do you guys remember wired controllers, by the way? Jessica herself forwarded that picture to Kotaku, fabricated some credentials, and leaned in on her hotness to land a job. Jessica even became a booth bunny, otherwise known as those nameless, identical hot women scantily clad there to decorate a booth at a convention. And eventually, IGN called her to offer her an on-camera host position. Like, literally, she got a job in the games industry just for being cute. She continues to work in the games industry to this day, even writing her own game in 2014. As a fellow lifelong gamer girl who also wishes to work in the games industry, I really am not sure how to feel about Jessica Chabot or her cameo in Mass Effect as Diana Allers. On one hand, I feel a bit resentful because she definitely has credentials and experience now, but she did not when she entered the games industry. She just relied on her looks and how she could influence the hugely male-dominated industry based on them. On the other hand, do I deny the career that she was able to build for herself? The time that she came up in was the time when this was realistically one of the only ways a woman could join the industry in any influential way. All I know for sure is that people who shit on Diana Allers because they think Jessica Chabot is just a vapid pair of tits is wrong. I don't know her, but she has to be more than that to have built the career and life she has now. And I will be damned before I ever hate on a woman for wanting to work in an industry that literally is not made for her being a fellow woman who has always worked in male-dominated spaces as well. But something about this whole thing with Mass Effect cameo is just weird. We haven't had a good old-fashioned V-rant in a minute. (laughs) Brava, woman, brava. I'm not blaming her. It just brought up my my trauma with the male folk (laughs) as a gamer girl, you know? I'm sure you have some. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, see, and I, I'm along the same lines of, uh, I wish that it didn't take a good pair of tits to get into an industry, but I also understand that if that's your in, honey, use your in. Like, do what it takes to get what you want, as long as you don't lose and demean yourself too far in the process. 
I think that's a big part of it too. And I think, I think one of the reasons that I don't like Diana is because I feel like Emily Wong was a much better fit for the position. Emily Wong should have been on the Normandy, not a brand new character. They could have put Jessica in the game in a completely different way and still have a cameo from her make sense. It's just, you put her in as the reporter, yet we've already had two other established reporters in the game. Even Kalisa would have made sense, like a, in a fuck you, Shepard type of way, or wow, we have worked well together in the past. Let me continue working with you, depending on how you treated her. Now there is one more little scene between the two of them, so let's take a quick listen to that. So did I miss anything? Do you have any questions? You gonna go file your story now? It's easy enough to do later. I've got a good lead, and I know how to finish. I just need the right body. If that's what you want, let's lock that door. Well, we can't talk about this. The crew can't know. I am my credibility and reputation. If word gets out that I got too close to a source, then I'm done. I'll make sure this stays just between us. Well, I can't refuse an exclusive. Neither can I. And it fades to black right there after like a half kiss. And that's their romance culmination scene. There's literally nothing for me to say here. Again. But now that this side chick... Sorry. But now that this side quest is over, you get plus five reputation and a codex update to desperate measures. Are you fucking kidding me? I hate this. I hate this. (laughs) Why did they even bother? Like, that's what I'm saying. It's literally just to put Jessica Chabot in the game. It's... I read an interview with her where she was like thrilled to be in Mass Effect because she's such a gamer girl. And I was like, you know, that is really cool. And maybe if I were her back then, I would have been super excited. But me now in 2023, if they were offering me that role, I'd be like, "Mm, next. (laughs) Thank them. No, thank you. That's not what the role I want to be in if I'm going to be in a game. I'm not that desperate. I hate the dress they put her in. I hate everything about it, you know? Diana Allers' romance is barely able to be called that. I mean, it's quite clearly just casual sex between two people who came together professionally for a time, and let's hope they came together personally too. I don't like that they put Diana in the sexy shepherd dress, essentially, but I know why they did it. It's just objectification. Pure and simple. It's a reality. I understand why it can be necessary. Sex sells. But sometimes I'm also just tired of it. Of course, I'm sure many people love the hot body con dress, <laughs> Jen. <laughs> and as a woman, I am totally fine with Diana wearing this. It's just that I can't forget that Diana is a character that was created to look a certain way and wear a certain thing. In stories, all parts of a character are necessary to provide context for the reader, viewer, player, etc. The fact is, Diana didn't choose the dress. She was placed in it to capitalize off all the drooling over Jessica Chabot at this time. And that is why it irks me. Jen's going to read an email that Diana sends you that I think is honestly the best part about her character. I really, really like this email. It's good. Uh, So I'll try to dramatize it. Normal is the best revenge. From Diana Allers to 
Commander Shepard. I don't know if you're aware how much you mean to people, but I am. The things I see in Battlespace's mailbox could make a geth gross here, ducks. Page after page of people asking you to save their mother's planet or the homeworld they outgrew or the mining colony they sank their fortunes into. They don't know that you can't do it all. They just know Commander Shepard beat a Reaper once and can do it again. I know how they feel. When I heard about Beckenstein, it was like all the nerves in my body were cut. But I need to believe that this isn't the end. I need to believe that you're going to destroy the Reapers, and I'm going to film it as it happens. And when the fight is over, and my signal goes out on a tight beam, people are going to come together from all over the galaxy. They're going to watch from their couches, and they'll celebrate. And one day, they'll laugh again. The laughing part is important. I want you to make it normal again, Shepard. Because that's the best revenge I can think of. Signed, Diana. And P.S. If I end up making it out of this, but you don't, I'll make sure you get a hero's funeral and a Beckenstein wake. It's like an Irish wake, but not as sober and reserved. Okay, actually, I have a problem with this email, too. <laughs> as an Irish-American who has been to a few Irish wakes, I can promise you they are neither sober nor reserved. That's the funeral service in the church. But the wake, that's a party. As far as Diana goes, I think she's a great reporter and she does a valuable service aboard the Normandy. Let's just not let that include servicing the captain. You don't get the paramour achievement. You can even romance other characters in addition to sexing it up with Diana. And you don't actually get any romance scenes in between them. This isn't a romance, it's just sex. And you might as well not shit where you eat, says the girl as she continues to read smutty Shakarian fanfiction. Whoops, pot calling the kettle black. I mean, seriously though, I just have a problem with the romances within the Alliance. It's fraternization. It's messy. I guess we love the drama. Honey, I love you, but that was the joke. Even an Irish wake will seem reserved in comparison to the way that we will celebrate your life. Oh, <laughs> that's went over my head. <laughs> I guess they know how to party on, what's it called? Beckenstein. 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 <laughs> yeah, I'm a colony kid, Shepard. Beckenstein. They made binoculars. They make binoculars. I imagine all colonies are like small towns in middle America where there's just like a factory that everyone works at. And like all they have to do is drugs and alcohol. So I guess that's why they're partiers. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no Disneyland. There's no like anything. I feel for you guys. Oh, well, I guess it's time to move on to Kelly. This will only take a minute. We're almost done. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to Kelly. I missed you. I missed you too. Here, I have something for you. It's a picture of me. 
back from when we first met. Take it. Now go save the galaxy for me. Okay. If you romanced Kelly in Mass Effect 2, as in you had that private dinner scene, and she survived being kidnapped by the Collectors, you will be able to find her at the back of Cargo Hold B in the Citadel refugee camp. She is helping refugees and doing various altruistic things, as everyone should be doing in a time of galactic crisis. She is obviously very relieved to see Shepard alive and well, but you think she'll jump right back in and be your yeoman again? Well, maybe not. Yeoman Kelly Chambers. Shepard, it's really you. I can just... Come here. God, I've been so worried. Without my Cerberus contacts, I had no way of knowing if you'd survived the invasion. You're not with Cerberus anymore? Working with you opened my eyes, got me thinking. I looked closely at what Cerberus had done. In good conscience, I couldn't stay with them. You inspired me to leave. Come back to the Normandy. Please believe me. <laughs> I want nothing more than to be with you again, but I can't. Ever since the Collectors abducted us, I relive it every night. I see Joke running out. Then that cold hand pulls me back. They're above me. Around me. They stuff me into that coffin and... I'm relieved. They aren't touching me anymore. But then it's so small. You can't breathe. It seems like forever. I watched people melt. God. Hey, it's okay. I'm fine. I just can't step back onto the Normandy. I'm sorry. Don't be. And even if I could, I shouldn't. I'm making a difference here. If there was ever a reason I studied psychology, it was to help people at a time like this. This is so good. I, I, yeah. I am shocked at how good this is. Yeah. Yeah. When I heard this scene for the first time, I was like, since when does Kelly have like a transatlantic accent? She's like, Shepard, it's you. I was so worried. And then it's like, instant trauma. <laughs> this scene right here is serving apocalypse realness. And it's one of the only examples we have of this in the game, which is surprising considering the game is about the apocalypse. It can be hard to convey how desperate, how tragic, how horrifying this war is for the vast majority of beings right now, because we're running around as super shepherds saving everyone's asses. Kelly lays it all out for us right here. This is even about the Reapers. It's about the Collectors. Last season's Big Bad. She's got some major PTSD from almost dying. Something that just isn't as prevalent with Shepard's companions as I feel it probably should be at this point. Like, everyone's almost died a million times over at this point. Yeah. Dr. Chakwas gets into it a little bit when she's talking to Adams. I almost called him Anders. Uh, when she's talking to Adams about it and about her experiences... But really, we don't get it from anybody else. And I really, really like it. It is real. Kelly is at an extremely vulnerable moment here. 
And she doesn't have the ability to seek treatment for her PTSD, her trauma. And it's the whole galaxy is under attack. During one of the conversations that you can have with Kelly on the Citadel, she will apologize for sending reports on Shepard back to the elusive man. Now trigger the fuck up warning here. Holy shit. I can't believe that they put this in the game, but warning about self-harm. If Shepard condemns her for sending information back to the elusive man, she will cry, and as you are walking away, she ingests a cyanide pill. What the fuck? Death by cyanide is not pretty. And to think that she is teetering on a knife's edge right now, and it's your words that push her over the edge? It's heartbreaking. (sighs) Please forgive Kelly for doing her job. She'll give you your fish back if you do, you know, and stay alive. Now... The next time that you get to talk to her is also the closest thing you'll get to a romance scene with her in the third game. Shepard, are you checking up on me? I love it. And speaking of love, I hope you've found someone. What? Times like these are when you need a love to fight for. Someone to confide in. You know, a partner. And what if I said that was you, Kelly? feel the same. But you know I need to be here and that you need to be out there. Come on, Kelby. Well, I guess the problems of the day can wait a little while. How is my favorite romance from this episode going to be end up being Kelly Chambers? I, I don't. How, how the fuck did this happen? Because I love that. She's like, hey, <laughs> we had something good, but then... I also understand that we are at completely separate points in our lives now, and I don't know if we're going to make this work or not. So please, make sure that you are happy with the time that you have left, Shepard. And then Shepard's like, okay, I still choose you. What I don't like is that they go into her wide open storage container In the middle of the refugee camp. Like, I understand missing sex and wanting to reconnect with your lover, but at the very, very, very least, can you please give me a door-closing animation? Um, yeah, that scene, I mean, I just thought, you're on the Citadel, like, does she live in the refugee camp all the time, or is she working there? Like, Shepard doesn't live there, Shepard... If you have, I mean, if you're playing Legendary Edition, everyone has a Citadel DLC. You could just go to Anderson's apartment to have sex. You don't have to have a quickie in the hot metal shipping container. That's so weird. I don't have a favorite romance in this episode because I don't like all of them. I, you know, I guess Trainers is my favorite because she's just the most content, but that's not saying much. These three characters are like fan service on fan service for me because Kelly is at least Mass Effect 2. She's the definition of sexy secretary. That's like what they wanted her to do. 
and she is good but not chaste that's for sure not that you have to be chaste but that's why she's the sexy secretary and now that we're in mass effect 3 she is completely different she looks completely different because she had to change her identity to not be killed by cerberus so she has a living emotional crutch which is shepherd which i've said before on the show like that's a lot of pressure to literally live for someone like she kills herself if she doesn't have shepherd's approval and she survives if she does i guess you can't get around that sometimes with the whole like player centric way of games but this is very extreme example of that and even with shepherd's approval she still has an uncertain doom at the end of mass effect 3 like we don't know if she's okay we can assume that she is very much not okay because she never leaves the citadel if you don't convince her to change her identity cerberus will kill her or you make it to the end of the game, allegedly with Kelly alive, and then you do the beam run, and then you see what happened to everyone who was left on the Citadel. And maybe Kelly's in one of those body piles, because where else is she? She was on the refugee camp. So, also to add salt to the wound, she is not listed on the memorial wall if she dies in Mass Effect 2. Like the only way she ever gets listed on the memorial wall is if she died during the suicide run in Mass Effect 2. So, guess we can just forget about Kelly if she dies in Mass Effect 3. <laughs> Bye, bitch. Thanks for nothing, says the developers. Thanks for feeding my fish. <laughs> yeah. I feel like as little as you got in Mass Effect 2, just for them to come and be like, mm, here's just essence of romance for you guys. In Mass Effect 3, like, it's such a lame payoff and it's a fade to black which we are notorious not fans of <laughs> no we we do not like a fade to black oh okay yeah sorry kelly mancers i would have broken up with her if i were you just because this is so so lacking in mass effect 3 one last clip because it's really cute and i love it and I wanted to play it in Mass Effect 2 portions, but then I kind of totally forgot about it, so I ended up not recording this clip. But I have it now! And I also may have just wanted to end the episode laughing and not crying like I have done for the last few months. Shepard, how can I help? Have you got a minute to talk? Actually, wanted to talk. Medical matters. Aware that mission is dangerous. Different species react differently to stress. Aware you come by a great deal. Have had other species become attracted to me before. Awkward. Not interested. You've had members of other species make a pass at you? Constantly. Very awkward. Skin tone apparently attractive by Turian standards. Subset of Krogan sexual deviants enjoy Salarian flexibility. More cartilage and skeletal structure. Asari offers intriguing, actually. Wonder why? Transspecies pheromones unlikely to work? Must be neurochemical. I appreciate you letting me down easy. No offense intended. Salarian reproduction different. Very little sex drive. If intended to try human, would try you. Glad you stopped by. Cleared the air. If intended to try human, would try you. 
I love that line <laughs> so much. Damn it. I love the my... way he says it. So matter of fact, just like everything else. So good. I love Morden. Okay. Let he's probably us... one of the best characters of that entire trilogy. He's the best. We've been on a wild ride tonight. I don't know any other way to put it. These characters feel very not fully fleshed out. They some trainer definitely has some good highs and then some other not so good moments. Diana, we've talked enough about it. It is not a good romance. It's a fun little fling and that's all there is to it. And Kelly I actually kind of like it. And Morden, I would totally let you try me. Oh, agreed. Agreed. He is the type to do research and not be lost down there. So it, it would be a good time. Valid. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel the same way. And, you know, if you are someone listening who really, really likes all three of these, one of these, and we were kind of shitting on it, you know, that's what we do. <laughs> it's our opinion, I guess. I mean, we're trying to look at it from a technical standpoint, an analysis standpoint, and an emotional standpoint. So these just kind of were lacking in all three of those areas. And if you had a strong emotional connection, I'm really happy that you did. I think that is a feat of excellence on your part. You did the work because the work is just not in the game for them. I'm sure people worked very hard on these and stuff was cut and things were happening. And I wish, I wish it hadn't been that way. I wish there was more. I always wish there was more. That is my eternal feedback. I want more. Give me more. I'm never satisfied. Mass Hugh Hamilton music. Dating <laughs> sim. We just need a dating sim. <laughs> yeah. Me that. Agreed. Uh, if you like what you are hearing, please be sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes or on that new Spotify feature. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can now find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-host Toasty, where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future for all things cyberpunk. And of course, in our Two Girls One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. Come give us a follow on all the social medias and on patreon.com slash twogirlsoneship. Links to those are in the description. And I'm on the Robots Radio Discord as well, in our own Two Girls, One Ship Discord server, where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Fridays at 10.30pm Eastern Time, 7.30pm Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So thanks for listening, <laughs> and remember that beauty is in the eye of the controller. But it's also great to hear him say it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> So thanks for listening, and remember, the beauty's in the eye of the controller. Do you love Dragon Age? Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden, even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day. 
Well, either way, the Dragon Age Lorecast is the podcast for you. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup. And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age. We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from Lyrium to the Chantry and the great mysteries of the old gods, and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember... Swooping 